enough. Uh, I'm sorry. He, uh, he thinks you're Santa Claus. <laughs> I am. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Nuts, I should have got his autograph. I love that clip. Should have got his autograph. Well, we've been using that movie over the last four weeks, Miracle on 34th Street. We've been using it as an illustration for our Christmas sermon series that we entitled The Miracle of Christmas. And I, I just want you to know, I for one have loved this series. I think it's been amazing just to see truly this miracle of Christmas, the miracle of Jesus Christ's birth. And, and we've used these different clips to illustrate different truths about this miracle. That truly, it is a miracle that Jesus came, was born in a manger in Bethlehem, but he came to save us, right? To save humanity from our sins. Not only to save us, but the Bible says, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. But if you've watched the movie, you remember Chris, and you, you kind of see it in that clip, he really believes he's Chris, uh, Santa Claus, right? He, he actually believes he's Santa Claus. And the rest of the movie, if you've watched it before, you, you know it really is about whether he is or he is not who he says that he is. That's pretty much the movie. Is he or is he not? who he claims to be. And throughout the movie, he kind of runs into people that have doubt. You've seen the clip of Ms. Walker. She doubts. Ms. Walker has a child, a daughter, who's really cute, if you've ever seen the movie, adorable. But she kind of doubts. They're skeptical that, you know, he really is the Santa Claus. But as the movie unfolds, you see more and more that people actually kind of believe. Like, yeah, I guess this Chris Kringle guy actually is who he says he is. But the skepticism that you find in the movie is actually quite similar to the skepticism that people today have regarding another person. And that person would be Jesus. Jesus, this baby who was born in a manger. Who, who was he, right? I mean, who was he really? Is he who he says he is? And is he who the Bible says that he is? Here's what the Bible says about him. The Bible describes him as being the word that became flesh. The Bible describes him as Emmanuel, God with us. At the very beginning of the Gospel of John, this is what John writes about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 9, there was the true light, which coming into the world, it enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Verse 12, I love this verse. He says, but as many as received him, to them 
he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. In verse 14, the word became flesh, and he dwelled among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. Church, that's, that's an amazing passage. An amazing passage describing and telling us who Jesus is. And if you continue to read the Bible, the Bible goes on to make incredible claims about Jesus. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 11, you see the angel. When the angel announces this great announcement to the shepherds, the angel says it's Christ the Lord. Just consider that statement for a second. Christ, the Messiah, right? The deliverer of God's people, the Savior who would save God's children, the anointed one, the Christ. It's an incredible, incredible claim. As Jesus grows up, he himself makes many claims. He says that he was sent from the Father. He said he, and, he is the Son of God. He, he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I am one with the Father, one with God. As an adult, Jesus claims to be the bread of heaven. Remember, he says he's, he's the bread of life in John chapter 6. John chapter 4, he says this, this should be a little peculiar if you don't believe this is true, but he says he's the living water. He says, if you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. Jesus claims in Mark chapter 2, he says, I have the authority to forgive sins. Jesus claims he's the only way to the Father. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life in John chapter 14. John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to Jesus, and I quote in John chapter 5, the very words of Jesus. He says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Wow. He does not come into judgment, but he's passed from death to life. What a claim. <laughs> what a claim. He, he claims that he can give eternal life, that he is eternal life. Radical claims. At the end of Matthew 28, remember the Great Commission at the very beginning. Remember what he says? He says, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. That's what he says. How much authority? All authority. The Bible also tells us. The Bible makes this claim that, in fact, it promises us that Jesus, one day, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to come back as a judge, the judge, to judge both the living and the dead. Lifespring, these are radical, radical, radical claims. And what do we do with these claims? I think humanity for the last 2,000 years have been trying to figure out what do we do with these claims of Jesus. Most religions... I think just kind of avoid these radical claims, right? And so they kind of just maybe say he's a prophet or a teacher or, or one of many ways to find God. I find a lot of people that I interact with, they, they try to admire Jesus and respect Jesus, but often from a distance, right? He's a good teacher who taught many good things. But these radical claims that he makes, these radical claims 
Most people, I think, just ignore them, or even if they've heard them, they just don't take them very seriously. I mean, right? Our coworkers, our neighbors, our family, classmates, maybe even ourselves. We, we try to address the reality that, yeah, he was born, and yes, he lived a life, but we try to do so without really confronting these radical claims. Many of you are familiar with the name C.S. Lewis. He wrote some of my favorite books, right? The Chronicles of Narnia, if you've heard of those. Phenomenal. But he also wrote some of my favorite books on Christianity. There's a book that he wrote, maybe you've read it, called Mere Christianity, if you've heard of that one before. They actually are a collection from uh, some radio talks that he gave. Mere Christianity, he, he addresses this issue, this issue of Jesus' claims. C.S. Lewis, he explains that Jesus really doesn't give us the option of just respecting him as a good moral teacher. That Jesus' claims, these radical claims, they really do not leave us with this option. This is what he writes, and I love what he writes, and I want to read it to you this morning. He says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. That I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. He writes, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. He writes, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And then later he writes, and I love this, he says, Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange, however terrifying, however unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. C.S. Lewis believed. Do you believe? Who was this child born in Bethlehem? And what if his claims are true? Right? What if he really was God in the flesh? Emmanuel, God with us what if he really did come to this world to save us of our sins i mean just for a moment think of the incredible implications of this what if jesus really is who he claims to be if he is then i think it forces us his claims force us to make a decision right will we put our faith in who he says he is will we believe in him will we find our relationship with our father god through him or will we decide, will we choose to reject his claims? Remember, Jesus clearly states that he is the only way to the Father. He claims that believing in him, it's the only way by which you can be saved from condemnation. The only way you can receive eternal life. Will you and I, will we decide that's true or false? Right? Is it true or is it false? And our decision to that question, it's a matter of eternal significance for every one of us in this room. And yet, how often can we just go through Christmas after Christmas 
after Christmas without really taking any of his claims seriously, not giving them much thought. And year after year, we do the holiday thing. And I love the holiday thing as much as anybody, but you, you kind of do the Santa and lights and cookies and candy canes, presents, everything else that we make Christmas out to be. But this morning, I've been feeling it all morning. I just feel like there might be a call to something a little different. That there might even be the opportunity right now for us to consider the real miracle of Christmas. And if you and I in this moment, what we decide about this baby, I just feel it in my gut. What we decide, what we choose to believe about this baby, that today it matters. It matters. It not only determines our eternal destiny. I believe what we decide about this baby, it determines our direction on this earth. It determines the path that our lives are going to take. I mean, let's be honest. None of us know how much longer we have on this earth, whether it's years or months or days. We don't know. But you know what I know I got? I got this moment right now. I have this moment. And I truly believe that in this moment, if you believe in the claims of Jesus, in this moment, your life will change today. If he really is who he says he is, and if you put your belief in his radical claims, you and I will never be the same because when you put your faith in Jesus, I mean, let's be honest, it's not the same as believing in Santa Claus. It doesn't get you presents under the tree. And I love the presents under the tree, don't get me wrong. But if he really is who he says he is, there are some gifts that we get from God that are a little better than the gifts that are going to be under the tree. I just want to share a couple of the gifts that our Father God gives us when we believe in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, He and He alone will forgive you of all your sins, forgive you of every sin, past, present, future. When you believe in Jesus, He and He alone, He actually takes away the burden, takes away the weight of your guilt and the condemnation from your sin. He and he alone, when you put your belief in him, he sets you free. He and he alone, by his Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in him, he says he fills you with the fullness of joy, the fullness of grace, the fullness of love, and the fullness of eternal life. He and he alone, those are just a few of the gifts that you and I receive when we put our faith in Jesus. And the question this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe? By the way, that's not a question anyone else can answer for you, right? I know in my own life, I have many people in my life who still do not trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and how I wish I could just believe for them, how I could just accept Jesus on behalf of them. But this is a personal choice. It is a decision that you make. No one else can make that decision for you. It is a personal decision, a chance for you to decide, do you believe or do you not believe? Jesus puts the question to his disciples one day. I love this passage. It says they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he goes to the disciples, and he says, hey, disciples, who do you say, or what do people say, or who do people say that the Son of Man is? Some say John the Baptist, they said. Others, Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah. Some say just one of the prophets. He says, but hey, disciples, but you, who do you say that I am? And one of the close disciples of Jesus, Simon Peter, he answers, well, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. That's how his disciples answered. 
His disciples believe. What will your answer be? Do you believe? I was thinking about this week. As long as we keep Jesus in the manger, I think we can kind of get through Christmas after Christmas. I mean, even until we die. As long as we keep him in the manger, you can get through Christmases without really addressing these radical claims. Just keep him as a baby, right? Just keep him in there. Just keep on singing away in the manger. Just keep on singing Silent Night. As long as we keep him here, we don't have to confront these claims. But the Bible says he grew up. He grew up. In fact, the Bible says when he grew up, he lived a perfect life. And he died. He willingly died as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. The Bible even says that he rose from the grave to show that he had conquered sin, even conquered death itself. And because of that, right now, in this year, 2016, we don't worship the baby of the manger. You know who we worship? We worship the risen Lord. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You need to know we worship the righteous judge who one day is coming back. In fact, this is what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. He says, it doesn't say we must one day all appear before the manger. That's cool, but that's not what it says. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, the miracle of the manger is that God came in flesh. Emmanuel, God is now with us. He lived among us, but he did not stay in the manger. He came to save us from sin. In fact, he came to set us free from sin, even set us free from death itself. God became man so that instead of you and I dying in our sins, that you and I could become children of God. I just read it at the beginning of John. I want to read it again. To be a child of God, the privilege of being called a son of God. This is what he says. But to all who received him, all who received him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who would believe in his name. Have you ever thought about that? If you receive him, if you receive the name of Christ in your life, if you confess him as Lord and confess him as Savior, you are adopted into the family of God. What glory. What glory to be a son of God, to be known by name, by God, to be in his family a son or a daughter. I mean, think about the gift. It is the most spectacular, wonderful, amazing, expensive gift that has ever been on this earth. The gift of Jesus Christ to save this world from our sins and to give us eternal life. I was thinking about it. There's even more. When you're brought into the family of God, the Bible says Jesus, he has left. You know why he left? He left to prepare a place for you. When you're brought into the family of God, Jesus actually prepares a place for you, that you have the confidence, the assurance of being able to spend eternity with him in a wonderful new home. When you put your faith in Jesus from now on, you will actually know and be known by your heavenly father. The Bible says Jesus has actually reconciled us back to God. <laughs> That's incredible, church. 
where we, sin had divided us, where sin had separated us. Jesus, when you put your faith in him, we're reconciled back to God. We're now in a right relationship with God, all because of Jesus, but it comes down to a question that each one of us must answer for ourselves. Is he who he really says he is? Is he who he really says he is? I believe he is. And there's times when I shake. There's times when I yell. There are even times when I doubt. But then I rise up again and say, God, help me and help me in my unbelief to believe. I believe in you. I believe in you. Sometimes I'm shaking. Sometimes I'm yelling. Sometimes I'm crying. But to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Church, Daniel Allen Birch, I believe. I hope you do too. I hope you do too. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, the reality is when you came to this earth, you did not leave us the option of just calling you a good moral teacher. You declared yourself to be so much more. You declared yourself to be God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. When you came, you came to save us. You came to rescue us. You came to forgive us of our sins. You came to give us eternal life. And Jesus, this room, we're just so grateful and thankful for what you did for us when you came to this earth. This morning we celebrate the true miracle of Christmas, which is you. It's you, Jesus. It's always been about you. It will always be about you. You are the miracle of Christmas. Church, as we continue to pray, and just as if we could just kind of let this moment sit here. I, there's, the reality is we call ourselves a lot of different things. Sometimes we say we're a Christian. Some of us, maybe we say we aren't Christians, but this isn't about what you say. This is about something deeper. This is about our hearts. And right now in this moment, there's some of you that you're just tired of living Christmas season after Christmas season for things that do not satisfy. And you are ready to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You are ready for your life to be changed by His salvation by this special gift this eternal gift the most amazing gift ever given on this earth and if that's you I just want to lead you in a prayer where you can receive this gift maybe for the very first time receive this gift and have your life changed forever I want to lead us in a prayer and if everyone could just repeat after me the reality is some are praying this for the first time let's be an encouragement to them let's support them in this let's say this loud and encourage those who right now are making the best decision they could ever make to choose Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, to save them from their sins and give them eternal life. So please just repeat after me. Dear God, I believe in the miracle of the manger. I believe this child born in Bethlehem is exactly who he claimed to be. He's God in the flesh. He's the Lord of life. And he's the savior of all who call on his name. I want to know you, Lord, in a real and personal way. I want to experience the miracle of Christmas in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me experience the joy of knowing you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Amen. If you prayed this for the first time, I, I think you need to hear this. It's actually a pretty cool thing. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over even one person who comes to the Lord. And so if that was you today, the heavens are rejoicing. I think that's pretty amazing and pretty awesome. I also wanted to uh, invite you to pick up a starter kit in here. You'll see a Bible. There's also a letter in here from me and some other resources to get you going on this journey with the Lord and journey with God's family. I know it's a busy season. It's 12.03. And for some of us, you know, it just feels like we don't have enough days left to fit it all in. So if that's you, I, I totally get that. And if at this point you'd want to leave, I'd give you permission to do so. But as we were praying over the service, uh, there was just a heaviness on our hearts that we knew we were supposed to create space for some of us to rest in the presence of Jesus. Right? Just to rest in the presence of Jesus, in the peace that Jesus brings. And so we're going to sing some more songs, and, and these are songs specifically to worship Jesus, to worship him as king, to worship him as Lord, to worship him as the one who, yes, was born in a manger, but died on the cross, rose three days later, and one day is coming back. So as we sing these songs, again, if you need to leave, I totally get that. Merry Christmas. Have a great week. But for the rest of us, would you just stand with me? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship Jesus as our King, worship Him as our Savior, worship Him as the one who came to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life.